Well, good morning. It's good to see you. So, um, I know those of you online are tempted just to flip between this and the Seahawk game. But those of you who are here, you've just decided to be here, right? It's a good deal. Amen? So, um, I'm just glad that we get together together and uh, share in this, this exciting uh, time of worship and bringing our hearts into alignment with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, you know, school has begun, right? Uh, do we have any educators here? Uh, teachers, counselors, there's some, there's some, there's one, there's two. Is there, are there any others? Do we just have these, there's th three? Okay. All right, here's what I'm going to have you do. Well, I'm going to pray over you, okay? So if you're an educator, if you'd stand up, all right, and you're going to stand up to a raucous applause, right? Amen. And if you're watching online, you just stand up too, okay? So this uh, prayer, this blessing is for you. I will tell you, I don't know what it's like to be you exactly, but uh, a little bit. And you are certainly facing some great challenges these days in education, teaching, just what you, know, what, what you have to deal with, as, uh, whether it's counselors you know, and all the way, really, like from administrators to food services people and all, all across the grand scope of things. We just want to let you know we're so thankful for you. Uh, if you're serving in private school, we're thankful. If you're homeschooling, we're thankful for you. If you're teaching at public schools, we are so thankful for you. Thank you very much for giving yourself into that. So let's pray. Father, we deeply appreciate your willingness to be with us every place we are, as we represent Jesus Christ in our vocations, our places of work and service, God, we ask you that you'd be upon these educators. We pray that you would put your great arms of protection around them. I pray that you'd protect their hearts from becoming hard. I pray that you'd protect them from the arrows of criticism. I pray that you would help them have an apt answer for every question that comes our way or even for uh, questions that are not meant to be questions but more intended to injure. I pray, Father, that you would give them wisdom that is from above, that they would find your ways of peace, that they would be always in their conversation, as the scripture says, full of grace, seasoned with salt, I pray that you would help them as they represent you in their places of serving. Thank you for these educators, oh God. And we're so glad that you call your people into places of ministry like this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? All right. Oh, I'm so thankful for you. And wasn't last Sunday wonderful as we gathered in one service and we had uh, uh, Ron L. McGraw and about 30 members or so of uh, the um, bl primarily black church in our community. They came together with us. We shared in a dialogue sermon and uh, they are still talking about it. We are still talking about it. And some of you have asked, what more? You all right? So I will tell you that more, more is to come. And we're looking forward to what God is going to be accomplishing. Um, these are days of coming together, right? Not splitting apart. Oh, did I say that? Uh, these are days of coming together. 
You would think that people had forgotten that. You would think that the church of Jesus Christ had forgotten that as well. But we know that God has called us into one body to belong to each other, to fellowship around his name, and to make an impact on our world. So glad that um, Children's Ministries has begun up uh, in full force today. And uh, thank you for you who are here and uh, perhaps your children or grandchildren are in uh, our children's ministries during this hour. We're so glad that you've decided to take advantage of that and for all the people that are serving in that ministry. All right. I'm going to challenge you to go deep. Challenge you to go deep. What have you discovered about your faith during this past season? Anything in particular? Have you, have you discovered, um, you know, how's, how's your faith managed over the last year and a half? Right? What, what have you seen happen to other people's faith? Or faithfulness? Or faithfulness in love? Or faithfulness in relationship to one another? What have you seen about your own life in relationship with God. You know, um, this has been a time when what is in us has been revealed. Right? We got bumped, and what was in us spills out. Ooh, ooh, that spilled out. What? <laughs> and then you want to go, not me, and point it and blame somebody else, right? But you got bumped, it's what spilled out of you. Boy, have you learned some things about, about your life, about your own walk with God, about your own, where you're not whole? Have you discovered that everybody's broken? Everybody needs grace at some profound level. Some know it, some don't understand that. But we profoundly need the grace of God. One of the things that I, well, some of the things that I've discovered, and, and, and certainly in conversation with a lot of pastors in our area, as you know, a number of us are still in full-on fellowship with each other, gathering uh, at least the second Thursday of uh, every month just to pray together. Um, and then I'm gathering with a few others at Ronnell McGraw's uh, church, Praise Chapel, where we pray every Thursday. And, you know... Oh, this has been a tough year and a half. I'm going to reflect just back on that a little bit as a way of talking about where we're going. Because we know that what we have experienced is not what we need further to experience. We don't want to just simply come out of this season the same as we went into it. Wouldn't that be wasting a good pandemic, right? <laughs> don't waste the time, right? Don't waste the pain. Don't waste the struggle. That ought to count for something. God present. One of the things that we've said over the past year is this, that the kingdom of God is advancing in the midst of what is happening now, no matter what is happening now. Now, it might be good for you to really consider that because if you believe that, then you can live hopefully. The kingdom of God the rule and reign, the effectiveness of the power and love, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the effectiveness of the ministry of Jesus continuing in the power of the Holy Spirit through his people, the advancement of the kingdom of God is going on right now in the midst of what is happening, no matter 
what is happening. So we can't simply say, well, you know, be glad when this is over so we can get back to, you know, God's stuff. Hey, no, we're in the middle of God's stuff right now. The kingdom of God is advancing as we speak. Will we be a part of it? One of the things that we've learned uh, is this. The first one I'll say is, we were making a whole lot less disciples than we thought we were making. It's been a really discouraging time. We, we really thought that we were making disciples of Jesus. It turns out people were disciples of something else, some ideology, some political party, some other thing. But we weren't particularly making disciples after Jesus. We thought we were. And man, I tell you, that's created all kinds of angst within inside of me. If you don't mind me having an honest moment here, right? People you pour your life into, people I see go through all kinds of things, people you walk with them through all kinds of stuff. Then when pressure comes on, what's inside gets spilled out, and then there's just all kinds of separation and the things that have been like spoken, posted, gossiped. You just kind of like, oh my God. And I mean that as a prayer. Oh my God. Have mercy on us. Amen? Amen? So what we've learned is that we, I, I talked to a young pastor uh, from uh, a, a Lutheran church in our area, and he says to me, he says to me, Dave, I have a lot less disciples than I thought I had, and I have a lot less leaders than I thought I had. Ooh, how true, how true. Now, me telling you these things is setting up why we're going to go in the direction that I'm going to share with you this morning about this fall. Some of the other things that we've learned is that Christianity in America is designed toward consumerism rather than contending with one another. So it's been easy for us just to simply be consumers, right? You, you know that's true for us all. We contend that way. We're Americans, of course. That's what we do. We consume, right? But Christianity design, in America is designed so much toward consumerism that we have forgotten that we are called to contend with one another, side by side, right? Continuing, as Paul says in the Philippian letter, continuing as one man for the faith of the gospel, right? Contending. Now, the problem is we've contended against each other rather than alongside one another. And this has all been revealed. We've also seen, and I've I, I noted this to you early in the year, that there are people who call themselves Christian. They have a gospel of Jesus but they don't have the Jesus of the Gospels. We have a Gospel of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus came, God's Son died on the cross for our sins, we're forgiven, you know, and, and we can you know, be born again, and, and He's been raised from the dead, and He's given us His Holy Spirit, and we have eternal life, and, and when we die, we're going to go to heaven, and it's a Gospel of Jesus, but the problem is, is that as far as our day-to-day -day life is concerned, we do not have the Jesus of the Gospel. We're not following that Jesus. Okay? If we were following that Jesus, we would love our enemies. If we were following that Jesus, we would make sure to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. If we were following that Jesus, we would find ourselves discovering places where we can serve and give our lives away. And so instead of preserving our lives, we want to give up our lives, which is, by the way, 
the kingdom way, right? And you know how we've divided. It's so easy to divide. And there are a million reasons for dividing. The only problem is Jesus has called us together. <laughs> he has given us the gift of unity. Unity is not something we achieve. It is a gift from God to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so he prays that we would all be one so that the world would know so that the world would know. Um, and again, I don't mean to be so downer here, except I just want to tell you, this is setting up why we're going to be studying over the next uh, eight, eight or ten weeks what we are going to look into. A person observing the church made this, made this statement, why do Christians make such lousy humans? I read that and I go, no, yes. <laughs> No, I don't want that to be true, but sometimes those who are proclaiming and speaking the name of Christ are really lousy at loving one another, lousy at showing kindness and caring for a neighbor. And I know you don't want to be like that, and neither do I, right? It's so easy to divide. It's so easy to be consumer. It's so easy to be individualistic. One of my early experiences as a child was that I had the privilege of playing Little League Baseball. I loved Little League Baseball. When I got out of the minor leagues and got to the major leagues at the age of 12, right, I played on a team in the town in which we lived, Roswell, New Mexico. Yes, Area 51. That explains a lot, doesn't it? Right? Area 51, Roswell, New Mexico. I prayed for a team called Malco, which, had, which was an oil company in the town that sponsored our team. And our team went 18-0. I was the catcher. We went 18 wins and no defeats. Later, I was um, selected as an alternate, just to be honest, to the all-star team. And then we, we, we won. We won the city championship. And then we won the state championship. And then we went to Phoenix, Arizona to play for, you know, the World Series, to try to get to the World Series in Williamsport. Uh, we never made it. Came in third. Uh, oh, by the way, do you know what my parents did during that time? My parents had scheduled a trip to Disneyland. At the same time that I was playing in this little league venture. And they left me and went to Disneyland. Can you believe that? Only upon reflection now do I believe that I have cause for therapy. I need, I need help. I went with the flow. Little league was a great experience. The reason I bring it up is because recently I heard the Vanderbilt University baseball coach his name is, uh, let's see, I think I have his name. His name is uh, Tim Corbin. He said this about the Little League World Series. He said, this is really the last time these kids will play for the front of the jersey instead of the back of the jersey. Wow. You know what that means, don't you? This is the last time they'll play for the team because after this, the great pull is to play for yourself. The name. Your own name. And we kind of live in that kind of world, don't we? So the question I have, when the world lives like that, 
It's the world, right? But when the church is living like that, what is the church doing? Aren't we called to live fully differently in this consumeristic world? So we've decided to move us in the direction and take a good, hard, deep dive into what emotionally healthy spirituality looks like. Emotionally healthy spirituality. And so I want to invite you to go deep with us. Now there's a scripture that I'm not going to uh, take a whole lot of time with, although it, is, it gives an example of what, of what you would be living if there was emotional health within you, it, this, this would be, this would reveals what's going on inside of you. This reveals uh, what is going on in your relationships. This reveals some of your priorities. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to read, uh, I think I'll start actually with verse 17. It says this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, I, so the message translation, when it takes that, he just simply says, so I insist on it. Don't go along with the crowd. Don't go along with the, what the world is doing, right? And what's so interesting is that uh, we say, well, we're not of the world. We're of the church. And yet, a lot of the same attitudes that's in the world, you will find in the church. The same attitudes, right? I remember the story of... Uh, of a man, a young man, who was raised by an alcoholic father. And the, and, and the young man said, he made a vow, he said, I will never become my father. I will never become like my father. And he was angry, and he lived out his anger. And you know what people said? Even though he did not uh, become an alcoholic, even though he didn't drink, people said, he's just like his father. Why? Because there's this basic internal attitude and stance on life. This whole anger that just uh, controlled his life. And they said, he's just like his father. Why is it that there's the same amount of divorces outside of the church as inside the church? Why is it that we are even more quick to divide and separate, it seems, than the people who are outside the church? It makes you wonder, what is going on here, right? So he says, you must no longer live like this in the hardening of heart and in ignorance. That is not the way you learn Christ. Verse 20, when you heard about him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your mind. To be made new in the attitude of your mind, right? It's what we're called to. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. And, and by the way, he is saying, you know, be angry, but don't sin. He, that's it. I mean, there's a place for, there's a valid place for anger, but don't let it control your life and don't hang on to it. All right. 
Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. I think it's so interesting. The motivation in all that is not so that, that you become rich, but so that you'll have something to share, right? It's like a totally different mentality. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth or be posted on your Facebook. <laughs> that mouth, right? That mouth. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind. I can just still hear my parents talking that verse to me when I'm just a little kid. Be kind to one another, right? I think they were saying that in relationship to my brother, all right? But here it is. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example or be imitators of God. Mimic what you see in God, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual impurity, immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather, let there be thanksgiving. God's word. Now, I want to present to you that an emotionally healthy spirituality makes it possible by the power of Christ to live like this. Okay? This passage is an example of what it means for heaven to touch earth. We present our lives to God and we say, here, we pray, come kingdom of God, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Come kingdom, right, of God. So we pray this. And it's not just, it's not just about the end time coming. It's about the coming, the daily coming of the kingdom. Jesus came to bring the kingdom. He said, if I cast out demons while I'm with you, then you know that the kingdom of God has come. So he always intends for the kingdom to be coming ever since it was inaugurated at his first coming. So we pray, come kingdom. We say, I offer to you, O God, in surrender of my life, I offer to you my life as the place, the, the, the place and the time, the times of my life as the place that heaven can come to earth. Where people who are intersecting with my life get to experience heaven coming to earth in my life, the way that I am living individually, the way we are living as a community. We say, here, come kingdom of God. And when you look at this, like, like speaking the truth and no falsehood, and don't let the sun go down on your anger, and don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, and get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, but be kind, compassionate to one another. Forgive as Christ has forgiven you. And, you know, live a life of love just as Christ loved you and gave himself up. Live that kind of life, a giving up yourself kind of life. That is, that is heaven coming to earth. Right there. That's it. Because all of this is heaven's will. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen? Amen. So, the problem is, 
we have not connected spiritual maturity with emotional maturity. Our faith remains on the surface and fails to touch the deep emotional parts of our lives. Or as one man said to me when I was a young pastor, when uh, I brought up the Bible, he said, that might be what the Bible says, but that's not the way it is. So we have made a choice. Right? So listen. Emotional maturity and spiritual maturity have to be considered together. So a man in a former church that I pastored was a leader and he was considered to be a spiritual giant. But I noticed something. When he walked into meetings, when he walked into a meeting, you never knew who was going to show up. Was it going to be the person that was cantankerous and upset? Or was it going to be the passive-aggressive person that just didn't say anything but controlled the whole room by not saying anything? I never knew who was going to show up. I thought about that a lot of times. I believe that it was, even his unconscious, this professional man, that it was his unconscious way of controlling the room. But I believe also something else. That he had a lot of emotional baggage going on that had never been deeply touched by the liberating grace of Jesus Christ. You ever had that experience? Somebody that you know? Maybe you find yourself in the same way, right? So this matter of emotional maturity, emotional health, and spiritual maturity, they must clearly be brought together. So in this study that we're going to be doing over the next number of weeks is intended in our, in our group life communities, in your individual studies. I encourage you to do it together, but man, get on board with us because we have got to address the issues that are below the surface. So you know, this, uh, this logo that we have for this series is just an iceberg. And... Uh, you know, there's about like 10% above, they say, no, normally 90% below. So that 10%, that's where we have managed to, you know, we've, we've, we've managed to, you know, have a form, perhaps. Uh, we, this is the part that is kind of like the, we tend this way, right? We tend this way, to have the form of godliness, but lack the power of it. So this is like, this all that is seen can be the form, but there are a lot of unresolved, untouched, unhealed, unyielded, unsurrendered areas within our lives that Jesus has yet to penetrate. In fact, many uh, of us, unconsciously, because we're so self-unaware, unconsciously put a no trespassing sign. Don't talk to me about that. Don't bring that up. In fact, we even get people to tiptoe around those issues in our lives because if they bring them up, then we know how to react in such a way that shuts them up, right? So the goal is to let Jesus enter into these places that have been kept below the surface of our lives by paying attention to what is going on in us emotionally, by paying attention to how we're treating other people, how we're loving ourselves loving others, loving God, 
right? So when you think about it, emotional health concerns itself primarily with loving others well. It connects us to our interior life, making it possible to see and treat each individual of worthy, worthy of respect, created in the image of God, not just as an object to use. Yesterday, 9-11, right? I, I heard uh, just a, a little snippet on, a, uh, uh, on the news of, of, the, of the wife of uh, one of the men who, who uh, help, um, you know, bring down Flight 93 in Pennsylvania so it didn't crash into another major building. She said this question. She, she raised this question. What could have happened if that terrorist was able to look at my husband and truly see him as another human being? Right? Truly see him as another human being. What would happen? What would have happened? You know, we, we wouldn't get very far out of the gate with evil if we truly saw each other. If we truly were learning to love God with all... Now, talk about us, right? That's the terrorist. What about us? Love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love our neighbor as ourselves. Those three directions of love are especially important. So it's important, right, to have, like, awareness of what's going on. Have you ever, like, have you ever said and done something that you regretted? <laughs> okay, now's the time we all laugh out loud hilariously, right? Yeah, so uh, I told Lynette I was going to share some of this. And, and honestly, I did in the first service, and she was sitting right over there with her mask on. I was glad her mask was on so you can see all of her mouth, right? But, um, but uh, when... Um, Oh my goodness, I've had so, there's been so much hurt in our marriage over a, a lack of emotional health, which really is a lack of spiritual maturity. Okay? So I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm married to this beautiful young woman, and we're coming back from an event with other couples, and she's been kind of quiet, and you know how that is when your wife's kind of quiet, mine, at least mine, I'm going, ah, uh, you know, and so on the way home, I tried to get her to tell me what was wrong, and so as we drove, I coaxed and prodded, and finally, with much tenacity, tenacity I dragged it out of her. And as soon as she said what she had to say, I said, well, that's a dumb way to feel. <laughs> to which she responded in her emotional health, I am never telling you anything again. And there you go. Perfect example. Here we are. People would have said, those people are spiritually mature. And yet here is emotional immaturity revealing something else. Okay? And because we've allowed this to separate emotional maturity and spiritual maturity, then we've allowed for people to, to be on the one end, that's such a spiritual prayer, and I'm so righteous and I'm so spiritual, and on the other hand, live as though Jesus were not Lord in their lives. So we've got work to do, don't we? By the way, that last part, she wanted me to tell you simply so that I would not look totally like the idiot I was. All right. 
Or why did I overwork and neglect my family early on in my ministry, which opened me up to ways of destroying our marriage until God brought me to deep repentance? And my wife said to me on one occasion, you care more about the people you counsel than you care about me. Do you wonder why after 40-some years, I still remember the exact words? See, you have to ask the question, which I never learned to ask. Well, I have learned, but then I didn't know. The question, where is this coming from? Like, here's the deal. What is broken? What lie is being believed? What, what, why do I feel such need to be in control? Why, why, are, why are we behaving so badly? A lot of times it comes out of these broken places within our lives. These, it comes out, it can come out of hurt and loss. It can come out of abuse. It can come out of all kinds of just riveting experiences that lock us into an emotion at the time and we play out that emotion again and again. It's why a 40-year-old man can act like a 6-year-old. A 55-year-old woman can act like a 13-year-old. We're stuck. These are places below the surface where we have yet to let Jesus enter into our lives with his redeeming grace. Which then would free us to truly be more reflective of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? To live following after him. So what we're hoping to do throughout this is to, to just simply learn to ask the question, where's this coming from? Not, hide, not to hide behind, well, that's just the way I am, or my family's always been that way. That gives you a clue also about where this comes from. Or do we let Jesus into all areas of my humanity? James Hamilton, who was a professor of mine uh, at, in, actually in college, and then uh, later he went to the seminary I attended. Um, but he, I, I remember the statement. Well, I remember this event. I remember the event of Martin Luther King's death that week when he led us in a, a, a prayer service about all that and how broken he was. He was such a tender man. But, uh, but one of the things he said was this. Being a psychologist and a pastor and a theologian, he said this. Our emotional life is the last to grow up. Okay? All right, now to help it grow up, as we move into this study of emotionally healthy spirituality, we're also going to look at the issue along with that in this book by Pete Scazzaro. We're going to look at contemplative spirituality, or really that should be reading contemplative prayer. This whole matter of just of 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 this of contemplation of as as the Psalms would talk about meditating on your word, being still before God. Right? I know, like with a lot of. Uh, of Christians in America, this matter of contemplative spirituality or contemplative prayer sometimes is categorized as new agey or, or, you know, kind of mystic and way out there and all that so that it's just rejected. But I tell you this, that contemplative prayer has been in the mainstream of the Christian faith for 
It's history. It's amazing what has been accomplished through contemplative prayer. Let's just say it like this. Contemplative prayer or spirituality is this long Christian practice of slowing down to be with God. Slowing down to be with God. You know, I was trying to teach you this early on. With, uh, throughout the summer on the prayers of the journey. Remember these little short prayers, which, which are just like two or three, you know, three words long, usually, sometimes just two. But, uh, but I suppose just to let them soak in you, and you soak in it. Like, like the prayer, Abba, I belong to you. Then in the midst of all the confusion about who we are and, you know, our, you know, our beloved identity, our security, our purpose, with when all there's all these other voices to understand, Abba, I belong to you. And just to say that again and again and to soak in that and let the Spirit of God take that deep to us so that we're not just, you know, we're not just rushing by. You know, a lot of times we say to the Holy Spirit, catch me if you can. Well, I guarantee you the Spirit is faster than you, but He is not. One that just simply must chase you down. He is encountered when you slow down, when you wait, when you pause. Or come, Lord Jesus. The second of the prayers of the journey. Come, Lord Jesus. I invite you in, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, right? Into all my difficulties, situation. You don't have words to explain what's going on. Come, Lord Jesus. A friend of mine died last Sunday of covid Family's going through all kinds of things. There's anger over the issue that that was preventable. But then there's also tremendous grief over what is. And what do you do with all that? Sometimes you cannot talk your way through that. You just say, come, Lord Jesus. And I remember the words of the, of the synagogue ruler said, my daughter is dying, but I know that if you come and place your hands on her, she will live. Right? So you kind of say, Lord, come and touch those deep places within me. We slow down. We slow down in prayer, reflection, surrendering to God to allow the Jesus of the Gospels, the Word of God, the Gospel of grace and truth to impact our emotional life, my life that is below the surface, and then unleash a power of the Holy Spirit to make our lives more authentic in following Jesus Christ. Amen. So, contemplative prayer and emotional health. The, in our study, there's, they're going to be just drawn together, slowing down enough to let God speak to you about what is happening. Why is this happening? Why is this coming out of me? Why did I say that? Why am I all wrapped in this anxiety and fear and just asking, show me, where is this coming from? And to do it together. Because... We really need each other. Church is not a solo enterprise. We're together. We're followers of Jesus. Together, we help each other. We pray for each other. We desperately need one another who are on this journey. I like what one person said when he said this. I'm not really looking for people who believe all the same things I believe. I'm looking for people who want the same things I want. And I tell you this. 
What I want, I think, is what Jesus wants for us. I'm looking for people who want to be made whole in Jesus Christ in order to make a sustainable impact on our broken world. I want that. Do you? Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're extraordinary in your love and grace, and yet you give that love to us. You give that grace to us. You're powerful in your word, and you desire for us, oh God, to know you well, to love you well, to care about others, to love others well. Thank you, God. I pray that as we move through this time, Lord, that we would experience increasing hunger, that we would just hunger for you, that we would ache for more of you. And in doing that, O oh Lord, we would find ourselves opening up to your light and to your love in the areas that are below the surface. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.